And last week we looked at what prayer is, why it's necessary to pray, and we started looking at biblical examples, biblical examples of people who prayed with some really inspiring results. And we only covered one example, hey? We looked at Moses. So last week we looked at Moses, and from Moses, from the specific portion of his life that we um, were studying, we learned that it's really important how we position ourselves when we come to prayer and when we're in prayer. Am I right? We have to position our hearts from a place of obedience. There's no point in me coming to God and saying, Lord, what shall I do if, my, if he knows my heart? In my heart, I know what I want to do anyway, and I just want him to confirm that so my heart isn't obedient. I have to have an obedient heart, and then when he says something, even if it looks completely crazy in the natural, I have to still position myself in his will. Amen. Right, so we are continuing to look at some examples today, and we will see how far we get. Uh, how far we get. The first example that I'm wanting us to look at, in terms of these, are key things that we need to adopt. Key attitudes, key things in our lives that we need to adopt if we're wanting to build a strategic prayer life and have answers to our prayer. And this example is David. This example is David, and we're going to look at him twice today if we get the opportunity to. But if you have your Bibles with you. Um, Christians usually bring their Bibles to church. Not that we're religious, Eugene, but <laughs> it's a good idea. You can check what I'm saying is actually from the Bible or else you can read it on the overhead if it's there. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 1 to 17. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 1 to 17. And... Yeah, I'll pick up from the beginning. Now, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. You can look at me. Okay, we're stopping right there. So, so basically, at this point, the Lord had highly exalted David and he was doing well. He was established as king over Israel. How many of us, when we are doing really well, we forget to pray? We forget that we've got to keep asking the Lord to lead us and guide us. The same way that we got to be established is the same way that we'll be, we'll, he'll maintain us in that place of establishment. Amen. We must never forget that we need to keep praying and the other thing that I find interesting, listen to this. So the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. Why was his kingdom highly exalted? For David. For David's glory. So that God could be glorified through David. Sort of partly. What was the main reason? For the sake of his people. So whenever God establishes us, whenever we, you know, these are just a few lessons and I'm getting to the main reason why we're looking at David, but we have to know why God establishes us when he establishes us, okay? So David in this place of establishment where God had established him as king over Israel, when he understood that the reason why he was exalted was not for his own sake, but was for the sake of the people, Okay, at this point he hears that the Philistines are coming up to search for him and coming up against him. So in the place of establishment, God has blessed him. His heart is right. He knows that the reason why God has established him is because of God's people, not because of his greatness and his brilliance, but because of God's people. In that place, his heart is right. Everything is good. He's blessed. The Philistines came to look for him. Does that ever happen to you? God has blessed you. Things are going good, and then the enemy just comes in like a flood. Okay, so that's what is happening to David. And 
What does he do? What does David do? David heard of it and went against them. And the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David decided to go and chase, chase after them and fight them without inquiring of the Lord. No. And David inquired of his wives. No. And David thought about it and had a great idea. No. And David inquired of God saying, shall I go up against them? Will you deliver them into my hand? He inquired of God. And this is the point that I'm wanting to make. One of the things that is so important when we're building a strategic prayer life is we've got to inquire of God. We've got to ask God questions. We can't assume that we know what we need to pray for all the time because we don't. We don't always know. We don't always know the mind of God. We don't always know the will of God, okay? Even if we've been that way before, we don't always know. And we need to learn to inquire more of God. When was the last time you asked God a question and expected an answer? Sometimes we ask him, but we don't really think he's going to answer. So David, in this place of being blessed... The enemies came against the enemy. His enemies came against him. Sometimes the promotion we receive from the Lord comes with warfare. And the same way that we got the promotion from the Lord through inquiring Him, through being obedient, through being through submitting, is the same way that we're going to overcome the warfare that the enemy is is sending against us. So the Lord says to David, "Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand." And so they went up to Baal Perizim, and David defeated them there, as the Lord said He would. Baal Perizim the God of the breakthrough. Amen. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand, by his hand, hey, by my hand, like a breakthrough of many waters. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And they left their gods there. David gave a commandment and they were burned with fire. David got a victory because he listened. He inquired and listened to the Lord. I don't know what would have happened if he just tried to do it on his own and thought, oh, well, I'm sure that the Lord is with me. He's made me victorious. I'm going to go out. I don't know. Maybe God would have done it anyway but maybe God wanted him to inquire first and we see here the Philistines make another raid on the valley now exactly the same thing that they did before David already got the 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 strategy last time amen sometimes we know what we've got to do we did it before and it worked so we just do the same thing no The Philistines made a raid on the valley and David inquired of God again and said to him shall I go up Okay, the Lord says, you shall not go up after them. Circle around them, new strategy. Circle around them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. I wonder what that sounded like. Then you shall go out to battle, for the Lord has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded him, and they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Giza. Okay? Same situation, but the Lord had a different strategy. He had a different plan. How often do we assume what we need to do because God spoke once about a situation, and we just cut and paste and stick that onto the next situation, and we hope that it'll work? Because we We don't have the time to inquire. But I want to propose today that we don't have the time to not inquire. We can't afford to not inquire. We can't afford to not hear what God is saying. We can't afford to get not get the next strategy. I don't want to try it and then it doesn't work and then I cut and paste and it doesn't work and then because it's my last resort, I turn and inquire of God. No. I want to learn from Scripture. Here's the lesson. We need to inquire of God. We need to be walking with 
him, constantly inquiring of him. We need to do these things. And what happened? Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. David wasn't perfect, but I love the story. David inquired of the Lord, and he heard the Lord. I remember once when I was in a particularly difficult situation in my life where I had been excommunicated and I wasn't welcome in my parents' house. I was in my early 20s. But I felt like God was saying to me, I must go back and I must try and rebuild the relationship. And I wasn't welcome. And I went back to my parents' house and... um, I was tolerated, but it was very uncomfortable. It was very difficult. And I remember the Lord saying to me, Tracy, every day you have to get a strategy for the day every day. And I'm telling you right now that if I did not have a strategy for each day, I would not have lasted that time that I was there. I remember a particular day the Lord said to me in the morning, your weapon today is rest. Your weapon. Do you know that rest is a weapon? That we can hide in God and he can be our refuge. And no matter what words the enemy sends our way, through whomever, they won't penetrate, they don't touch us. We end up responding to God and not reacting to the situation. And I remember that particular day, there was all sorts of conflict and all sorts of things were said and you know, voices raised and swearing and whatever, whatever. And normally I would have picked up my bags, reacting and left. I don't want to be here. It's not, but I didn't. Why? Because I knew God had said to me, today rest is your weapon. Just hold your peace and stay here. And you know what? God used that. And yes, there's restoration in my family now and there's been healing and everything is fine. But at that time, that's the strategy that he gave me. And for some of you here today, that is a strategy for you. You're in a difficult situation. The Lord is saying, inquire of me and get a strategy for each day inquire of me and get a strategy for each day. I remember once doing when I was doing my master's in pharmacy and I was doing it by research in the labs and the equipment that I was using had broken down. I was using this particular machine, a capillary zone electrophoresis, and it was waiting for a part from uh, overseas and it was being shipped out and it was like six months, eight months. It was ridiculous how long it was taking. And all the time that I'm waiting there, it's costing me money, you know, it's costing me time. And I remember the Lord saying to me, the trace, you know what? Praise is your weapon. Praise is your weapon. A lot of times he would say, I would go into the labs. Praise is your weapon. Begin to praise me. Begin to praise in faith. Vim will know she was there at the time. Pastor Vim was there. She will know. I went through a lot. It was a long time in the labs waiting for stuff to work. But you know what? God was faithful and it came to completion at the right time. But sometimes, sometimes there are battles that you fight on your own. And you got to get up in the morning, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Let me put on my garment of praise. What do I do today, Lord? Is it your word? Must I declare your word over the situation? Am I going to pray in the spirit today? Am I going to be at peace today and rest in you? Is that my weapon? Am I putting on the garment of praise today? What is my weapon? What is your weapon for me for the day? Some of you, the Lord wants to give you strategies for each day. Even in meetings, I remember I was doing some consulting for the Medicines Control Authority in Zim, and it was a very spiritually charged atmosphere when you're dealing with legislation around Um, African traditional medicine you can understand okay and I remember in those meetings that we used to have I would feel challenged the Lord would challenge me to take authority in those places those boardrooms before I went in because if I waited to get there it would be too late 
I have to take authority, I have to pray in tongues, I have to make declarations beforehand. So by the time I get there, everything is already charged with the right spirit. So some of you in your business meetings, whether you're in the corporate, whether you're, you're an entrepreneur, some of you, I believe God is saying to you, you need to pray into those meetings before you're even there. You need to take authority in the spirit realm over those places before you even get there so that the, the spirit that is dominant is the Holy Spirit and his plans and his purposes are the ones that prevail. Amen. Amen. Okay, so that's David. What did we learn from that scripture on David? To inquire of the Lord. To inquire of the Lord. You know that one word can change things. One word from God can change things. The next example that I'm wanting to look at is Daniel. An example from the book of Daniel about Daniel. So these are keys for us as we build a strategic prayer life. These are keys that we need to be cognizant of, that we need to work into our lifestyle and into our heart attitude. From Daniel, I learn integrity of heart and faith, the importance of having an integrous heart and faith. And I'm going to be reading, do you have the scripture? Yes, Daniel 6, there we go. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Wow, can you imagine their meetings? I wonder how they came into agreement. 120. <laughs> anyway, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Isn't that great? Oh, that the church, oh, that Christians would have excellent spirits. Oh, that we would. I wish that would happen. I wish that we would walk in that. Okay, excellence is just doing the best with what you have in your hand. It's not perfection, but it's doing the best with what you have. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole, ra over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Interesting. When there's an excellent spirit on us and we're walking in God's blessing and God promotes us, envy can come against us. Probably will, okay? Envy could come against us, probably will. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault in him. Isn't that awesome? How many of us could say that about our co-workers? Could say that about the people who, uh, could, how many of us, sorry, the peop, our co-workers could say that about us. The people we live with can say that about us. That there is no fault or error, even when they're really looking to find something wrong. He was integrous. Then the men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning his God. So these governors thronged before the king and said, King Darius live forever. And they tricked him. And they made him, they got him to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that anyone who petitioned any god or man except the king would be cast into a den of lions. Can you see what? They just, they're just wanting to catch Daniel. They're just jealous of him. Now a king established this decree and, uh, and signed it so it can't be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows wide open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since the early days. Isn't that beautiful? 
as was his custom. He had a custom. He had a pattern. He had a lifestyle. He'd given himself to this regardless of external pressures. I do this regardless of the consequences. It's who I am. He was integrous with the matters of the king's kingdom, and he was integrous with the matters of his heart before his king. And he didn't change regardless of who was watching and what law there was. Isn't that beautiful? Daniel was integrous. Are you with me? He was integrous. These men assembled. They found Daniel praying as they wanted to. That's what they wanted to do. And then they go to the king and basically say, look, we found this Daniel who's one of the captives from Judah. And he doesn't show regard for you, O king. That, what is that? That's false accusation. He doesn't show regard for you, O king, or for the decree you have signed, but makes his petitions three times a day. Can you see what he's doing? It's what the enemy does. He takes an element of truth. He makes his petitions. Daniel makes petitions three times a day. And then he adds a little bit of, you know, spice, chili on the end to make it an untruth. That's what the enemy does. False accusation. Has Daniel done anything wrong? No, he hasn't. He's been integrous. How many of you are like, Lord, what have I done to deserve this? Well, what did Daniel do to deserve this? Nothing. Okay, it was because he was integrous. It was because he was walking upright that this happened. And um, yeah, anyway, and then the, the king basically said, okay, Daniel has to be thrown into the lion's den because he's disobeyed this law which cannot be revoked because it's the law of the Medes and the Persians. And... The king basically says to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, etc., etc. And the king was unhappy and he spent the night fasting and you probably know the story. Um, in the morning, he came, the king comes to the den and he cries out and he says, Daniel, Daniel, have you been, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? And I love what Daniel says, listen to this. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and I have done no wrong before you. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found in him because he believed in his God. Can you see that? Daniel was the same whether people were looking or whether the people weren't looking. Are you and I the same whether people are looking or not looking? Are you the same? Because if you aren't, there's a lack of integrity in your heart or in my heart. If I only do stuff because I know someone is watching, there's something that's not quite right in terms of integrity of my heart and God sees. And God sees. Okay? So Daniel was integrous whether he was being watched, whether he was not being watched, and he believed in his God. We can't pray without faith. When I come to pray, my heart must be right. I must be integrous before God. But also when I come to pray, I need to come like Daniel. I must believe. I loved what they was, he was, my husband was saying this morning about unbelief. We need to be careful of unbelief. And I think in my life sometimes, I think there is unbelief. If we really sit, if I sit still and I think, yes, I'm sure there's unbelief, you know. 
When we come to pray, we have to believe. We can't pray without faith. We can't pray without integrity of heart. If I, if I am sleeping around and messing around outside of my marriage and I come to a prayer meeting and I'm trying to rebuke a spirit of lust and fornication, do you think I have a leg to stand on? No. What's going to happen? Those spirits are going to come and attack me more because I'm not under Jesus' cover in that area. And it's the same with areas of life. When we pray and pray and pray, and there's a lack of integrity, a lack of submission in other areas of our life, we're praying judgment. We pray, we're opening doors to things that we don't need. I'm very careful prayers that I pray. And there's some prayers that I don't pray on my own. I only pray in corporate, in corporate settings. I love what E.M. Bounds says. He says, faith must be definite, specific, an unqualified, unmistakable request for the things asked for. It is not to be vague, indefinite, a shadowy thing. It must be something more than an abstract belief in God's willingness and ability to do for us. It must be, it is to be a definite, specific asking for and expecting the things for which we ask. Isn't that powerful? It's much easier to be in faith for something if it's specific. It's much harder to be in faith when it's general. For example, if I'm praying for children, if I saw a child, a, a homeless child on the corner of the road, it's easier for me to pray for that one child than to pray and have faith for all the homeless children in the whole world. Do you understand? Must be specific. I'm not saying if you have faith for that, that's awesome. But I'm just saying that's what I find. Okay. Now, at the end of the story of Daniel, King Darius writes, To all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He is steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of lions. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. You know, I love this because it shows me that you can be blessed, you can be warned, walking integrity, you can be walking in faith, you can be walking in the promotion of the Lord, but still have things come against you. Things that you don't understand. I'm sure David might have been tempted, at, I mean Daniel might have been tempted at that point to say, Lord, why is this happening? What have I done to these satraps to earn this? They were just jealous. They were envious. But he kept on, I learned that I have to keep on believing God, keep on being integrous because that's who I am. That's who I am. That's what I'm going to be regardless of what you say or what you don't say about me. Keep on in faith knowing that at the end of the day, whether it takes one year, two years, five years, my God will still come out on top at the end. And I'll likely come on, out on top too because my, I'm, I'm a daughter of my God. But even if it doesn't happen, that's okay. Amen. So Daniel's life was integrous. His dealings with earthly matters and in his relationship with God, he was integrous. Okay, businessmen out there, we can't have say, a privatization where church is... Sundays, and then we go to work on Mondays, and we're doing bribes, and we're telling little lies here, and we're getting stuff that's in a corrupt manner. We can't have that. We have to be integrous. Okay, in the corporate world, however it applies to, we have to be integrous. Otherwise, we come to pray, and we don't have a leg to stand on. We can't stand and pray in authority. Amen. Daniel made appointments with God, and he kept them. Isn't that powerful? Do you make appointments with God? Sometimes if I don't make an appointment with God and I think I'll just fit it in wherever, it doesn't happen, does it? 
We need to make appointments with God. He was in, and, and he prayed in faith. He prayed in faith. Okay, now... The fourth example that I'm wanting to look at for tips in terms of and keys in terms of building um, a strategic prayer life is I wanting to go back to David. I'm wanting to look at David and learn from him again, probably something, things that we shouldn't do. So we learned at the beginning things that we should do from David, inquiring of God. Now we're going to learn a few things that we learn uh, that, that we shouldn't, shouldn't do. 2 Samuel 11, um, verse 1 to 27. And by the way, I heard a message about this particular portion of Scripture many, many years ago uh, by a prophet named Jim LaFoon. And this is where I've got um, these ideas have come from, but it's kind of stuck with me for so long. It's so powerful. 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 27. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Stop. At the time when kings go out to battle, was David a king? Okay, so let's continue. That David sent Joab and all his servants with him and all Israel. They see he sent them. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David, what did he do? He remained in Jerusalem. Now, at the time, David was a king. And it was at the time when kings go out to battle and David remained in Jerusalem okay now this portion of scripture is placed right in the middle kind of like at the height of David's success as a king so right at the height of his success he decides at the time when he's supposed to go out to battle and out to war he decides he's going to remain in Jerusalem Okay. Now, I want to say that it's really important that we understand our times and seasons and being in our purpose. Because being in our purpose and being where we should do actually provides protection. Okay. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8 says, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. Will be bitten by a serpent. So what is this? What is, what is, this, what is this all about? Well, as you know, later on in 2 Samuel 11, that's when David is on the roof, and what does he see? He's looking, he's bored, he probably should be out at battle, and he sees Bathsheba. And then he falls into sin. I don't know why it's fallen into sin. He didn't fall into sin. He summoned her, and they slept together on purpose, like he did it on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. Okay? And, she, yeah, and then he basically arranges the killing of, of Bathsheba's husband. You know the story, right? Right, okay. So it says here, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. David was meant to be out in battle and he remained at home. That was his first error. He broke that wall of purpose. Then the second thing that he did is David sent Joab and his servants out with him. These are the guys. Joab was the guy who would probably have said to him, David, what are you doing? David, challenging David. And he sent him out of his life, okay? So that's another hedge of protection. The first hedge of protection that David breaks is the purpose one. The second one is sending Joab and those people who will speak truth into his life out. And even though they got the victory, David was about to have the biggest um, loss of his life. Okay. So David sends them out. And um, let me just finish the story and then I'll continue. Basically, Bathsheba conceives, David sends to Joab and says, send me Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David and David says, go and wash your feet and lie with your wife because Bathsheba is now pregnant and he wants Uriah to think he's pregnant by Uriah, who's Bathsheba's husband. And he doesn't. And why? David says, why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah says, the ark and Israel.
Israel and Judah are encamped in open fields, shall I then go to my house to eat and drink? What had David done? David had stepped out of his purpose. He was staying at home when he should be in battle. David had sent Joab out of his life. Okay, we sometimes close our heart to people who actually we need to speak into our lives. Okay, David did that. And the third thing was he sent the ark of the presence of God out to battle and he stayed at home. Okay, so those three things are really important in terms of living our lives and building a strategic prayer life. I need people who will speak truth into my life. My husband challenges me. Pastor Vim challenges me. They speak truth into my life. We need those people. When I grow quiet and I close my heart to that, I'm not in a very safe place, even if I'm in prayer and inquiry of God because I'm not perfect and I can mishear God. Amen. So it's important that we have those people. It's important that we don't send the Ark of the Covenant out. In other words, we are like Daniel and we make a regular date with the Lord. We make appointments. It's regular, regularly in the Word. I can pray and pray and pray from now until next year. And if I don't open my Bible and listen to the Word, I may just go into very wonky error. Because I need the word of God. I need, the word of God is Jesus. I need that. It needs to be in my life. I need to feed my spirit on a regular basis. I need that in. I can't send it out. I send it out when I don't do it. I might not take my Bible and throw it out my window on purpose. But I just don't make an appointment every day. And one week becomes two weeks, becomes four weeks. I miss church. I don't catch up the messages. I, and I think I'm doing okay, but actually I'm just opening myself up to deception. I'm opening myself up. That this point here, David actually, I mean, the Lord actually says to David, because um, David arranges Uriah's death. I want to find what the Lord says to David. Nathan the prophet comes to, da to David and says, this is what the Lord says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. I did all of these things. And, it, and if that had been too little, I would have given you more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You've killed Uriah the Hittite. You've taken his wife to be your wife. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you've despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel. The Lord sees what we do in secret. The Lord sees. That's why integrity is so important. And there are consequences to our sin. There are consequences. David was at the peak of his kingdom, of his ministry, of his success. The Lord had established him. Then he does this, he breaks these three um, hedges, which I think many of us do from time to time, stepped out of his purpose, sent the Ark of the Covenant out of his life, sent Joab and the people who would have spoken truth into his life, that he sent them out of his life. He falls and one sin, he was forgiven, but the consequences of the sin remained with him and his generations to come. Isn't that just, that boggles my mind. Yes, there's forgiveness in God. Yes, there is. But when we slip up, the consequences remain and they can impact our children and our children's children. And you know what? This is important to me. This is important to God. God is a, he's a holistic God. We can't say, this is my prayer life and the other stuff over here from Monday to Friday, I'll do what I want. No, it all is important, all of it. This is a basis for our prayer life. 
have to be walking with integrity of heart. I have to be inquiring of the Lord. I have to have an obedient heart, positioning my heart in obedience to his revealed word, to the word of God and to what he's telling me. And then when I pray, things will go well. Even when adversity comes, when I pray, things will go well. I can't be living my own purpose on the side, doing my own stuff, not seeking his word, not seeking his presence, and then pray and want his blessing on my life. No, something's missing. Something's wrong. God doesn't function like that. He's not a blesser. He's not, a, he's not one of those machines where you put a coin in and stuff comes out. You know, he's not like that. Are you with me? So what's the first thing we learned last week? Obedience, hey, positioning ourselves in obedience. What is the first thing you learned today about from David? Inquiring of the Lord. And even if you did it last week because you were faced with the same situation, when you face that situation next week, we are to inquire again. We need to ask him. What's the third thing you learned from Daniel? integrity of heart being integrous and what's the other thing we learned we have to be in faith and faith is specific and what's the thing we learned from David here not to do to break those three hedges hey break those three hedges what's the first hedge purpose your purpose are you in your purpose you need to be in your purpose there's protection in your purpose okay protection in your purpose my husband is saying to me I'm loving what I'm doing with all of the sports stuff but I'm not firstly a triathlete or a swimmer I'm firstly called to the church I'm firstly called as a teacher and a prophetess that's what I'm called as that's my calling I need to be in my purpose and the other stuff will fall into line I can't get distracted my husband's challenging me can't be distracted <laughs> okay and there's protection in my purpose there's blessing in my what is your purpose your purpose is different to mine are you in your purpose do you understand the times and seasons is it a time for you to go to war are you going to war when you need to be going to war are you going to pray about stuff when you need to be doing that are you birthing stuff when you need to birth it are you conceiving stuff with the Lord when you need to be conceiving it are you in the right place at the right time we can't just mumble along yeah Lord bless me the Lord is with me bless me yeah this life is cool life is good yes but life is serious too we need to take it seriously do you know where you're at in your life with the Lord okay that's purpose the presence of God and the ark of the covenant of God his word and being in prayer and being at ignite some of you I think you've never been to ignite I want to encourage you it's important corporate prayer is powerful there are things that happen in a corporate environment that don't happen when I pray on my own and I know that that's why I come I don't always feel like coming guys I have to be honest with you but I don't have a choice okay <laughs> So come, come, even if it's one hour, make a commitment. Lord, I'll come for one hour because it's important. It's being in your presence. It's being with my brothers and sisters. Okay. What's that? Purpose, the ark. Oh, and then don't send people out of your lives that speak truth. Don't send them out. And you send them out. Sometimes it's just not talking to them, not telling them stuff that they need to know. What issues are you facing right now in your life? What are your biggest personal challenges? And who knows about it? If no one knows about it, you're in a very dangerous place. Hey, listen, I'm not saying publicize it. I'm not saying tell everyone. Find someone you trust who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and get them to pray with you and be accountable. Be accountable. 
I remember at a certain point we had accountability triplets, accountability quadruplets. I was in one with Pastor Vim, and we actually wrote out questions of things that we were struggling with. All of us said, these are the areas that we're struggling with. We wrote them out. We gave them to each other. We were four girls. And each week we would ask, we would ask each other questions. How is this? Do you know that in that type of environment, the fear of the Lord is quite strong? <laughs> There's that sense of, okay, I'm going to have to give a report. <laughs> I'm going to be asked about this. <laughs> okay? It's powerful. What is it? it brings protection. It brings light. Amen. Encourage you to do that. If you can do that, find one or two other people of the same sex <laughs> if you're not married. And do that. It's powerful. Pray together. Pray for each other. Be accountable. Okay. The fifth example that I'm wanting to look at is Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. And yeah, this, these guys really encouraged me. From these guys, should I tell you what I'm, what I'm wanting us to learn from them or should I tell you at the end? Tell us at the end. Okay, I'll tell you at the end. Maybe you can guess as we're going through. Okay, let's pick up. Thanks, M. Can we have the scripture? Paul and Silas. We pick it up in Acts 16, verse 1. Then he came to Durban, Lystra, and a certain, and a certain disciple was, named there, was there named Timothy. Um, he was spoken well of by the brethren, and Paul wanted to have him go on with him. Um, he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they knew his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and increased in number daily. And I want you to see that the context of the scripture was that these guys were pouring out their lives for the ministry. They were being obedient to the call of God on their lives and there was fruit to show for it. So they were being obedient. Now when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I wonder what that felt like. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them? Was it a, an unpeace in their heart? Was it a vision? Was it a dream? I don't know. But all I know is that they were walking with the Holy Spirit because they knew that they were forbidden. Do you know when you're forbidden? Do I know? Am I walking with the Lord? They were in prayer. They were hearing him. After they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't permit them. I wonder what that felt like. I wonder how he showed them that. But what I do know is that they were praying and they were getting instruction from the Lord. Okay, They were action-oriented and they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit at the same time. They must have been prayer-oriented. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but God steers a moving ship. So if you have an idea or a desire in your heart, hey, as long as it's not contrary to the Word of God and you haven't specifically heard someone, heard God tell you, no, begin to move in that direction and God will steer you. God steers a moving ship. He did it for them. They were in prayer. They were sensitive to him and they were action oriented and God steered them. So they were forbidden to go into those few places. So passing by Messiah, they came to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, three weeks later, because he didn't feel like it, he went to Macedonia. No. Immediately, they went to Macedonia. Immediate obedience. Isn't that awesome? Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Receiving instructions from Him and immediate obedience. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, etc. They're going along all sorts of various uh, places. Ultimately, they came to Macedonia. And they were in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, they went to the city, to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. Interesting. They arrived there. And where do they go? 
to a place of prayer. They sat down, they spoke to the prayerful people around there. They met Lydia, a seller. She was a businesswoman. And um, it says, now, at, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Now was what she was saying true? Was it true? But was it by the Spirit of God? No. It was by a contrary spirit. And Paul and the guys who were with him, they've been led by the Spirit. They've been forbidden to go here. They've been forbidden to go there. Then they've been led to Macedonia. Then they've been in prayer. They're a prayerful bunch of people, okay? And Paul picks this up and turns to her and says, I command you to come out of her in the name of Jesus. You know that someone can preach or speak or teach something that is true, but it can be by a contrary spirit. And many of us won't even pick it up. You know that someone can prophesy to the idols in my heart, which are from my heart, not from God. And if I am in deception, which I probably am, those things, I will think it's a word from God. Meanwhile, they, it's not by the Spirit of God that they're saying those things necessarily. Okay, we need to be in prayer. We need to be sensitive to what, is, what, is God, what God is saying. How did Paul know that? How did Paul know that, what the, that, that it was an evil spirit? He must have been in tune with the Holy Spirit. He likely operated in the gift of discernment of spirits. His relationship with the Lord was key. Him being in prayer was key for this, okay? Now, when her masters saw the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and the authorities. And ultimately, these guys ended up in prison. So what are we seeing here? The same thing that happened to Daniel. Daniel was walking in integrity, excellent spirit, doing everything right. He's thrown into a lion's den. These guys are walking in their calling. They're being obedient to God. They're walking, they're walking very prayerfully. And what, is hap what happens to them? Thrown into prison. Some of us, that happens, and you're like, oh, God, where are you? Like John the Baptist, are you even real? Are you even real, Lord? I'm not believing in you anymore. No, it happens to all these great men of God, and they were in God's will. Drag them, throw them into prison. And I think that it was probably God's will that they ended up in prison because he wanted to touch the prison God. Sometimes God takes us places where to our natural mind we can't comprehend it. Lord, why am I here? Why, why did this happen? Well, you know what? It's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's up to you. It's not all about you. Okay? So they received false accusation, unjustly, unjustly thrown into prison, even in God's will. But their heart throughout all of this, I love it, it was prayer. It was being persistent in prayer. Matle, there's the answer. Being persistent in prayer regardless of the situation. Continually persisting. Okay? Now, having received a charge, they were put in the inner prison, fastened their feet, and their feet were fastened in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that awesome? In the inner prison, it, they are like bound up in stocks, chains, everything. But what are they doing? They're singing praise to God. And you know what? These guys were Romans. They could have appealed. They should never have been thrown in prison without a trial. But what did they do? They didn't start standing on their, you know, rights and everything. They were praising God and people were listening. And there was a great earthquake and foundations of the of the prison were shaken and all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened you know that sometimes God allows us to go into places because the power of our praise when we are there is someone else's freedom someone else's freedom is in my praise when I'm in my dark place do you know that 
Someone else's freedom is in your prayer when you're in your dark place. Someone else is watching. You have the key for someone else's deliverance. Sometimes God allows us to go into these places because our prayers are powerful. And we've got to learn persistence in prayer. And we've got to learn to maintain our same integrous heart regardless of the circumstances, knowing that God is faithful. Amen. Some people are in prisons. Some people are behind doors that need to open. Some people are in chains or with people who are in chains. And the secret for the breakthrough is in your mouth. The secret for the breakthrough is in your prayers. It's in your praise. God may even allow these negative things to happen because he wants us to be in a position to help others. Very interesting. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the doors open, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul said, do yourself no harm. We are here. And he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that awesome? Just by listening to Paul and Silas in praise and in prayer, he's, he, they didn't even share the gospel with him. He said, what must I do to be saved? Some of us, the secret to winning people over to the gospel is in the prayer and, and the praise we do before we even say anything. Prayer and praise is powerful. Persistence in prayer is powerful. So they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. And so they spoke the word of the Lord to them. And him and his family, his household were all saved. Paul and them didn't even have to try and, and, and preach the gospel to them. It just happened because they were praising and worshiping and being persistent in prayer in their darkest place. That's a word for someone. God wants to give us these influences to pray for key people who will bring their families or groups into the kingdom. And then Paul, it carries on, and Paul basically, then Paul says, as Paul would do, <laughs> they've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and thrown us into prison, and they want to put us out secretly. Absolutely not. They must come. And then the magistrates were afraid when they heard they were Romans. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. There we go. Integrity of heart. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night. Paul was a prayerful man. We learn persistence in prayer from his lifestyle and from what he teaches. Listen to Colossians 1. It says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. It carries on a bit late. He says, we do not cease to pray for you. So Paul was prayerful. Listen to what he says about Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete. Isn't that beautiful? Paul regarded prayer highly. Paul lived that. Paul in the Bible. Okay, we need to do this too. We need to be persistent in prayer. So I'm gonna, I've covered a lot of information today. I'm really glad I've covered it all. I hope you're all with me. I haven't left some of you behind. Are you all with me? Okay. Okay, so what did we learn today? We learned to, well, what did we learn last week? We learned about positioning ourselves. We need to be positioned aright. What, is the, what did we learn first today from David? To inquire of the Lord and to keep inquiring. What did we learn from Daniel? Integrity and to be in faith. Amen. Then what did we learn from da David that we shouldn't do? We mustn't break those three hedges, the hedge of purpose, the hedge of the people in our lives that we need to be in, and the hedge of the presence of God. Amen. And what is the last thing that we learned from Paul and Silas and Paul, really? 
persistence in prayer.